Welcome to the Jam Broberg Show, where we expose the truth about child sexual abuse, rape, assault, and trauma. Everything you hear on this show is for informational and educational purposes only. We do not dispense therapy or give legal advice. This show is not for children. I'm Jam Broberg. Let's get started. Okay, so we are embarking on a really intensive look at grooming. And I know that a lot of people will say things like, you know, well, he was a master manipulator. I even had Dr. Romani that told me, no, the guy was a psychopath and a narcissist and a master manipulator and he groomed you, all these things. But I want people to really understand without any shadow of any doubt how to see grooming, how to discover that you or someone you know, it could be a child, a tween, a teenager, a young adult, that you might be able to pick up on, I'm being groomed or they're being groomed. And I know we talk a lot about narcissism right now, but I want to go back to just some of the simple phrases that Bob Birch told used you know, three years before he ever kidnapped me and ever decided to, you know, um, execute this criminal master plan of kidnapping me, brainwashing me to believe that I was kidnapped by aliens, and so was he, and that we had this nefarious, um, well, they seemed nefarious, but the goal seemed like I was living the, the Christmas story, like, I was supposed to have a baby to save a dying planet. Like I was going to have the savior to save this alien planet. And how do you get to that where I would believe that? I was 12 years old. I was pretty naive. I I grew up very innocent. I had a wonderful, you know, family and a wonderful neighborhood and a wonderful church community. And, you know, the university was right across the street. I mean, I was surrounded by all these amazingly wonderful people. But it was pretty innocent. You know, it was a smaller town, Pocatello, Idaho. But I think it's really important to go back and share with you some of those specific things that were actual signs of grooming that nobody saw, certainly not me as a nine-year-old or 10 or 11-year-old, but how he used all of those grooming phrases and techniques to get me to eventually believe that story. Like, that's really what was happening, that we had both been kidnapped and we were going to have a baby. And he was the, you know, the person that was going to make sure I was pregnant with a baby to save a dying planet. So it, to go that, that far, let's go back to the beginning. You know, let's go back to when Bob Birch told, we called him Brother B, when he moved into our neighborhood, we met him, his wife, his five children at church. He was adored. He was so likable. Everybody really felt like this this guy is just so, he's so helpful. He's so full of service. He's such a wonderful person. He's giving everybody discounts at his furniture store. Um, it was It was across the board. There really wasn't anybody who didn't like him until Cor Hoffman, who was another one of, of our neighborhood friends uh the the he my dad and core were really really good friends and something 
happened where they were out boating with the Birchtolds, the Hoffmans. And again, they're in our neighborhood too, and they go to our church too. I mean, all of us are great friends. We're all in the same, you know, couple of blocks. And the Hoffmans had kids that were our ages. And so, you know, all of us are good friends as kids. And the parents are all now really good friends. And something happened that after that boating trip that they took, Cor said, I don't know. I just always had this weird feeling like something was wrong. He was too nice. You know, he was too, he was too much of that. And I, I look back on, on that and I think, what if we were to teach our children, our teens, our tweens, what their gut or their feelings were when somebody is too nice or when they have a funny you know, spidey sense that something's off. We never talk about that. We only teach kids to just trust your elders, do what they say, you know, be obedient. Um, We don't teach them that it's okay to actually have a funny feeling like our body is responding to something that's off. We don't give them any credit for that and they don't give themselves any credit for those things. But I believe we could change that by understanding the tactics of grooming that are used in my own story and in millions of other stories of other people who have been groomed and then um, assaulted, manipulated, and harmed. So, you know, how he got into my head, and then on a different day, we'll, you know, maybe the next solo episode, I'll talk about how he got into my mom's head and my dad's head and how he manipulated everybody. The grooming things that he said to me were things like, oh my gosh, you have such a beautiful voice. You have the voice of an angel because he heard me sing in church. And then he saw me play Oliver in our community university summer musical. And he just, you know, he would just praise me up and down. You're such a good actress. Oh my gosh, her voice. Oh my word, have you got her in singing lessons, Bob and Marianne, you know, to my parents? Because she could go to Broadway. I mean, she's so, so good. You know, those sorts of things, those ego stroking kinds of things. And I don't even know I have an ego when I'm 10. (laughs) You know, I don't even know what the ego is. They just made you feel good. They made you feel like, oh, this person, you know, likes me. I can trust this person. Um, Another thing that he would always say, to me is like, you are such a, you know, such a, like a, he wouldn't always use like physical things like, oh, you're such a pretty little girl. He wouldn't say that. He would get more pacific. Like he would say something like, you know, you are so, you are so neat in your appearance, you know, in how you look. Like you're always taking care of making sure your hair is combed, just right. I mean, I just think your hair, he would be very specific, which is also a grooming tactic because the more specific you can give a compliment, the more you, whether you're an adult or a child or a teenager, the more you think, oh, they really see me. That's a good feeling when somebody really sees you that you cut your hair or that you curled it differently. That's different than just, oh, you're such a pretty little girl. Somebody might Uh, Certainly today, they might get those spidey senses if somebody said that. But to say to a a kid, you know, 
just love your new haircut or the way you curled your hair is so cute. You look like a pixie. That was a big deal back in my day because it was all about the pixie haircut. And when I got my haircut like that, I remember that was like something he complimented me on. Um, another one that he used to say is, is like, you know, you're always smiling. You know, my boys, they just seem to have frowny faces all the time. They're always complaining about something, but not you. You seem to always be smiling and be positive. And I would say, oh, well, that's because my dad's like that. That's because that's what my dad always says, you know, that uh, the secret to a happy life is to be, um, you know, grateful and to just look at the good parts of life. Look at the glass being half full, not half empty. Hey, everybody. I just I just had to take a minute because I want to talk a little bit about our online community, Thrivivers. Um, I always had the feeling it would be really cool and that it would be helpful, but I had no idea how amazing it is to be in a safe space with fellow survivors where you feel like you can talk about anything without any judgment, where you can have, you know, your worst day and need to express things about a big disappointment, or you have a breakthrough day and something that just finally made sense to you on your healing journey and you're able to go forward. I'm more than thrilled with what the members at Thrivivors are already talking about and what they're saying, and they're sharing their stories, and it truly is changing their lives and changing my life. I can't believe how much I've been missing by actually not having a group of fellow survivors in my path. There's so much to be learned on the journey from each other and from that support where you're completely safe. I hope that you'll come over and join us and just know that we have survivor stories that we share every week. We also have amazing experts like social workers, therapists, uh, memory experts, people who have created programs for healing because they were survivors too, and now they've gone down that path and that journey, and now they're sharing what they know with all of us. And it just becomes this wonderful, amazing um, experience. And I really want to encourage you to come and join us. And, you know, we'll never charge more than a dollar a day for your own health and healing. I think that's pretty reasonable. That'll never change. And if you can't afford a dollar a day, tell us what you can't afford. Nothing? Come anyway. We want all survivors to have a safe place to begin their healing journey and to be supported on that journey. So please just come. It's free right now for your first month, no matter what, and it can stay that way for as long as you need it to. And then when you feel like, oh, okay, I could throw in a five or a 10, I'll do that just to help us continue the platform and to continue having all of these amazing guests and speakers, as well as to just encourage the whole community in a way that probably you've never experienced before. It's pretty incredible. I can't wait to hear from you. I want to hear your story. So please go to our link in the show notes and find us at Thriveivers. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I cannot adequately explain to you guys how vitally important therapy has been for me throughout my life. At times, it has been what keeps the 10% of my life, which is filled with challenges and trauma, from festering and becoming 20% or 30% or 50% and so on. 
Therapy has literally saved my life. It commits you to your own mental health, and it has a physical impact on you as well. So when your mental health is good, your bodily health improves. I'm telling you that at BetterHelp, you have an opportunity to do the easiest pathway to a therapist. You can chat with them. You can have a video session. You can text your therapist. It's immediate. You don't have to drive anywhere, and they will match you with a licensed professional. And if that doesn't work out, it doesn't feel like a fit to you, you can change it anytime for no additional charge. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and it's easier than traditional therapy. When you feel better mentally because you've been seeing a therapist like I have throughout my life, you'll know why you have committed that time that money, that space. So hopefully you'll go to BetterHelp, use our link, betterhelp.com forward slash my name, J-A-N, and that will help out our show. It will help you. Plus, if you sign up from our link, you get 10% off your first month. I'm telling you, it's so much more affordable than traditional therapy. And it's also so much more immediate because you can do it from the palm of your hand. I know that for a fact. I've used them myself. So when you get somebody that notices those little things and will compliment you on them or use them as a conversation point, maybe they're genuine, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're actually grooming you. So, you know, for those three years when, um, before I was kidnapped, he was grooming me. He was giving me compliments. That is really how that master manipulator worked. And so the molestation and the rape that I experienced from age 12 to 16 was not happening those three years before. So he was either a very patient um, groomer that knew he would get what he wanted in the end, or he had somebody else, which I'm pretty sure now I know who that was, that he was you know, doing his dirty work with. And so he was just in the middle of grooming me, but he had somebody else, another little girl. So in reality, he really began with very simple, trustworthy, nothing that would be thought of as out of the ordinary, just a genuine compliment, you know. And then from there, it sort of built. Like then we were doing, you know, family trips. We'd go, he had a boat. So we'd go out to, you know, the reservoir and go boating. And then after that, it would be, let's go on a, you know, a trip, an overnight trip. And so, you know, several times I would go to pick up furniture when he offered me a little job at the furniture store, because I could dust the furniture and I'd get paid like a dollar an hour. And I wanted the job, you know, and I was used to doing kind of the same sort of thing at my dad's own flower shop. Sometimes we'd go down and do little jobs, getting things ready, a certain little thing that had to be put together before the busy season for flowers. Um, Sometimes dad would let us come down and do little jobs. So it wasn't unusual. But I think what's interesting is that he figured out how to get me alone without it looking like anything alarming or startling, you know. Mom would drop me off. I'd work for a few hours. She'd pick me up. We'd sit and talk to him, you know, or go get an ice cream or something like that. And then, you know, I'd go home with my $3 or whatever. And yet the escalation of going on trips, um, 
like he and his oldest son and I would go pick up furniture and sometimes spend the night because it was up, you know, in Salt Lake or sometimes in Las Vegas. And so it was, you know, hours from Pocatello. Those sorts of things just escalated slowly over time. But again, the times that he took me and, and his oldest son horseback riding and sometimes me on my own, you know, became something that was trusted because it had been done before. And that's how grooming happens. It just starts out like building trust, building a, building a, a friendship, a, a, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, this guy really thinks I'm so cute and so wonderful. And, 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 I, and I don't even think of him as this guy. It's just like my favorite uncle or something. It's not like, it doesn't feel romantic. It doesn't feel like anything like that. But he knows that he's stroking something important to me, like because I always wanted to be a singer and I always wanted to do um, acting and because I, I wanted to do those kinds of things, you know, like he would know that's where we, that's where we really are going to get, I'm going to get close to her. And so those are the things he talked to me when I was at the furniture store and dusting the furniture. And he'd say, now tell me, like, have you ever seen a professional musical? Like, have you ever been to New York? Oh, no, I hadn't ever been to New York. Um, well, you know, he, he'd know what to talk about that would be my interest at, at age 10, 11, I mean, 12. I, I find it so fascinating how, how tuned in he was for every person in my family, in my neighborhood, in my congregation, like he just was so likable. He knew what would fly with one person or the other. It was just really interesting as I look back on how much grooming he was doing with everybody and especially with me to just build this trust like I could go, you know, anywhere you know, with him, with his kids, with him and his wife, or babysit with, you know, the, his oldest son, Jerry. We'd, we'd just babysit all the kids while our parents went out. It was just such a, such a slow burn those three years, almost three years, before he actually kidnapped me. And I just think it's really important that people know that he even constructing the whole idea going back to the beginning of this of this podcast when I talked about the mission of I was going to with him be impregnated with the with a child that would be like a savior to save the dying planet he didn't get there overnight he got there through this whole series of you know TV shows and science fiction things and movies that we'd go to and they uh, the science fiction and the space race, you know, the space age was just really bursting. And so he used everything that was in the atmosphere of our lives. It wasn't like something came in from left field. It was what was already all around us. And he knew how to use all of that to, to prepare my little brain and my little mind that somehow I could wake up to that alien voice and immediately believe that there was a dying planet and that I, it was my job 
to save them. So we're going to do grooming. We're going to do grooming for 365 days. And we're going to learn every tactic that we have ever heard of that anybody else that's out there that has a grooming story and would like to share it and give us specifics. I will put it on our 365 days. I mean, I will talk about it um, so that we can learn all the various ways that people have been groomed and how we can start to, um, you know, see it to teach ourselves and our young people to see it. So this project is called 365 Days of Grooming. And every day on, you know, my Instagram, on TikTok, um, YouTube, you know, the podcast, these podcasts that we also put on YouTube, I'm going to share ideas and share about grooming and how pedophiles groom, you know, their target and all the loved ones around them. So if you want to share your grooming story, please send it to jan at jambroberg.org and your story will remain anonymous. But the more details you can give us about your grooming story, the more we can help others see the groomers, the master manipulators in their lives. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for sharing this journey with me today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. This really helps us spread the word. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to our show, please do me a favor and share one of our episodes with them. I want every survivor to know that they are not alone and that there is help available. Links to my website, our foundation, the new book, our online community, Thriveivers, a newsletter can be found in the show notes. All of my contact info is there as well. This year, my number one focus is on sharing our stories. This is so important because it's the launching pad to our healing journey, and it inspires the survivor who is still suffering in silence. I don't want anyone to suffer alone anymore. So please reach out. I want to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, this is Mama Jan signing off, over and out on two.